0: Hi, and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. When jailed Turkish politician Selahattin Demirtas apologized for his pro-Kurdish party's poor performance in recent Turkish elections, he did more than take responsibility. Mr. Demirtas implicitly questioned the notion that Turks vote primarily along ideological and identity lines rather than based on assessing which party will best further their economic and social interests. However, the reality is that all the above shape how Turks vote. Mr. Demetrius' People's Democratic Party, or HDP, running under another party banner due to a potential ban over alleged militant ties, won 8.79% in last month's parliamentary election compared to 11.7% in 2018. Even so, it remains the third largest party in parliament. At first glance, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's economic performance suggested that Turks would choose change. Inflation hovers around 44%. The Turkish lira has lost 90% of its value over the last decade and hit a new low a day after Mr. Erdogan's electoral victory. In addition, many blame corruption and a failure to enforce building standards for the degree of devastation caused by earthquakes in February in eastern Turkey, parts of which are predominantly Kurdish. Stunning as those statistics and allegations may be, they tell only part of the story. Counterintuitively, Mr. Erdogan likely benefited not only from skills that best come to the fore when he is in a political fight, but also from his religiosity, religious lacing of politics, and promotion of greater freedom for public expressions of piety in a country that long sought to restrict them to the private sphere. Conservative religious women were one major constituency, that benefited economically and socially from Mr. Erdogan's rollback of Kemalist restrictions that barred women from wearing headscarves in government offices and universities. Erdogan is loved that much because he changed people's lives, said Erzlem Zengin, a female member of parliament for the President's Justice and Development Party, AKP. Similarly, Religion may have been one reason voters in earthquake-hit areas favored the AKP above Mr. Demirtas's HDP. Economist Johnette Sinding Benson notes that individuals become more religious if an earthquake recently hit close by. Even though the effect decreases after a while, data on children of immigrants reveal a persistent effect across generations. Economics in mind, some voters questioned whether opposition leader Kemal Kilistarolu, with his vow to reintegrate Turkey into the Western fold, would have been able to secure badly needed support from Gulf states like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. After years of strained relations, Saudi and Emirati support for Mr. Erdogan was displayed within days of the Turkish leader's electoral success the UAE ratified a five-year, $40 billion trade deal with Turkey, three days after the vote. This deal marks a new era of cooperation in our long-standing friendship, said UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade, Thaniel Zayudi. Meanwhile, Saudi Aramco, the kingdom's national oil company, met in Ankara with some 80 Turkish contributors this week to discuss $50 billion worth of potential projects. Aramco wants to see as many Turkish contractors as possible in its projects. They are planning refinery, pipeline, management buildings, and other infrastructure construction that will be worth $50 billion in investment, said Erdal Erem, head of the Turkish Contractors Association. In a bow to foreign investors, including Gulf states that increasingly tie aid to recipients' economic reform policies. Mr. Erdogan on Saturday named Mehmet Shimshek, a widely respected former banker and deputy prime minister and finance minister, as his new treasury and finance minister. Foreign investors and analysts saw the appointment of Mr. Shimshek, an advocate of conventional economic policies as a sign that Mr. Erdogan may shift away from his unorthodox refusal to raise interest rates that fueled inflation and an exodus of foreign money. In addition to stabilizing the economy, Mr. Erdogan faces challenges funding reconstruction in earthquake areas as well as northern Syria as part of an effort to facilitate the return of refugees. With 3.7 million registered refugees, Turkey is home to the largest Syrian exile community. Anti-migrant sentiment and pledges to return refugees were important in last month's election campaigns. Refugee return is also part of the Gulf state's renewed engagement with Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. In a twist of irony, Gulf support for Mr. Erdogan despite his Islamist leanings, may be driven as much by economics as geopolitics. At a time when the UAE and Saudi Arabia adopt positions at odds with the policies of the United States, the region's security guarantor, they may see Mr. Erdogan as an increasingly important partner, irrespective of whether the Gulf states' moves constitute a genuine policy shift or merely a pressure tactic to persuade the U.S. to be more attentive to their concerns. Like the two Gulf states, Mr. Erdogan, despite Turkey's NATO membership, has pursued an independent foreign policy involving close ties to Russia and a military intervention in Syria that impacts Gulf efforts to drive a wedge between Syria and Iran. In its latest charting of an independent course, The UAE said it was pulling out of a U.S.-led maritime security force, the Combined Maritime Forces, or CMF. Led by a U.S. admiral, the CMF groups 38 countries, including Saudi Arabia, in a bid to halt Iranian attacks on commercial ships, weapons smuggling, and piracy. The UAE said its withdrawal was part of an assessment of effective security cooperation in the Middle East. However, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and his Emirati counterpart, Tahnoun bin Zayed al-Nahyan, did not mention a UAE withdrawal in a joint statement on Friday after talks in Washington. Sheikh Tahnoun praised the United States' strong security and defense partnership with the UAE. Mr. Sullivan confirmed the U.S. commitment to deterring threats against the UAE and other U.S. partners while also working diplomatically to de-escalate conflicts and reduce tensions in the region, the statement said. Moreover, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will meet in Saudi Arabia this week with his Gulf Cooperation Council counterparts, including the UAE Foreign Minister, Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahyan. At the same time, Various Iranian and other media quoted a Ghattari news website, Al-Jadid, saying that China was facilitating talks between the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Oman, and Iran to create a joint naval force to enhance maritime security in the Gulf. The report did not clarify whether China would play an active role in the force or whether participation would be limited to Middle Eastern states. Iranian naval commander Rear Admiral Shahram Irani discussed plans for a joint maritime force on local television but did not mention Chinese involvement. In a first response, CMS and U.S. 5th Fleet spokesman Commander Tim Hawkins dismissed the notion of maritime forces that include Iran. It defies reason that Iran, the number one cause of regional stability, claims it wants to form a naval security alliance to protect the very waters it threatens, Mr. Hawkins said. Nevertheless, the force could cast a different light on Emirati and Saudi efforts to boost Mr. Erdogan, if created. Taken together, the UAE's alleged withdrawal from the U.S.-led CMF, the creation of a China-associated alternative force, and support for Mr. Erdogan, would signal a Gulf willingness to take greater responsibility for the region's security. It would also indicate a qualitative change in Chinese engagement in the Middle East following the China-mediated agreement in March between Saudi Arabia and Iran that restored diplomatic relations. Turkey has been conspicuously absent in discussions about Gulf security. Even though it is a regional powerhouse, with a battle hardened military, an expanding homegrown defense industry, and regional ambitions. The UAE and Saudi Arabia account for 40% of Turkish arms exports. Turkey first proposed establishing a military base in Saudi Arabia in 2015, two years before the kingdom and the UAE initiated a -a three-and-a-half-year-long diplomatic and economic boycott of Qatar that was lifted in 2021. The Gulf states demanded, among other things, that Gata halt military cooperation with Turkey and shut down a Turkish military base populated by Turkish forces at the beginning of the boycott. If the current trend of U.S. detachment from the region continues and Turkey's rising regional posture keeps moving in a forward direction, Ankara may have an opportunity to fortify its position in the Gulf, said Middle East scholar Ali Bakr. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. Twice weekly, my syndicated column and podcast offers an acclaimed, fresh, and independent perspective on the geopolitics, as well as the politics of religion and sports in the Middle East, Eurasia, and beyond. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to do so, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of a broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Or support me on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Soccer. Please join me for my next column and podcast in the coming days. Thank you. Take care and best wishes.